Today on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks, I'm with Siobhan Mitchell, PhD neuroscientist and senior director of academic research at Noom, the company helping people take control of their health through behavior change. I'm Kevin Perlmutter, chief strategist and founder of Limbic Brand Evolution, a brand strategy and neuromarketing consultancy that taps into emotional insight to strengthen connections between brands and people. The limbic system part of our brain supports emotion, motivation, behavior, and memory. And I'm curious how my guests are creating what I call limbic sparks, which happen when emotional motivation meets brand desire. I love talking with brand leaders who are turning emotional insight into a competitive advantage to drive business growth for the brands that they serve. Siobhan, thank you so much for joining me today. And let's talk limbic sparks. I'm very excited to be here. Siobhan, I am so glad we are having this talk today. How are you? I am doing very well. We have spring finally arriving in New York and my garden is growing. So that's always exciting for me. We get these little small kind of sparks of limbic stuff just from that, at least for me. <laughs> that's wonderful. I am so fascinated by the work that you do, studying the brain to understand what motivates people and how people feel and how they behave. So I'm curious, what motivates you in the work that you do? Yeah, well, this is going to sound a little bit like a cliche, but the the thing that really makes me excited is that I am finding something new every day that no one has ever known before. So, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of science. That's the beauty of research, but especially doing that for the brain is really wonderful. So, Um, I have a great team, a research team that works on all sorts of studies that try to get to the bottom of why do we behave the way we do and how is the brain involved. So for instance, when you're trying to lose weight, like what does this mean in terms of like how your motivation will help you succeed or when your motivation, even when it's very high, can actually hinder you and cause problems for you. And, And even just tracking your mood, throughout the day while you're losing weight might be very valuable to understand, is this going to be like a successful day for me or is this going to be like a hard day for me? Knowing that kind of thing really early on will make all the difference in how you can, you know, adhere to what you're trying to do to to get weight lost. So this is, I think, exciting for us to really be able to track this and then tell you like, we actually know how it works. We can tell you how to do this even more successfully. Wow. We're going to talk so much about all the details of that work that you do. I'm curious, you mentioned the team that you work with. Can you talk to me about the relationships that you have with people and what you value most in those relationships? Yeah, well, it's interesting that you asked that because I was just thinking about um, when I first joined Noom, they have this cool thing called a user guide that everyone makes for themselves. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but... Literally, it's a user guide for yourself where you have to say all your likes and your dislikes and how she communicate with me best, you know, so I can understand and I can, you know, get the right kind of feedback, even just things like, you know, your favorite hobbies or, you know, what really turns you off, your pet peeves. So I think those kinds of things actually are really helpful. And I would almost say that, you know, having a good relationship with someone is about understanding their user guide. Obviously, you don't always have a paper or, you know, a document in front of you, their user guide, but anyone who can figure out someone's user guide makes it so that you're going to have a really fun time with them. 
Um, but just in terms of like what I really value in relationships, especially with my team, is like mutual kindness. I think that people sometimes don't realize that's actually a very important part of the workplace is, is understanding it's not all about like getting the work done, but it's also about like, we're in this together. I'm going to, you know, help you and, you know, want to be warm towards you to just make this, you know, a, a better experience for everyone. One of the things I really value about Noom is they have these principles that help people learn how to have relationships with each other. And one of the principles I like the most is be transparent, but kind. So I think this is a really, really important thing because it's about you can actually tell people how you're honestly thinking, give them the respect, knowing that they can handle hearing what you're really thinking, but you can also do it in a way that is warm, that is understanding. And I think, you know, everyone gets much more out of that when you try to practice that kind of principle. Um, and then lastly, the other thing I really value relationships is a sense of humor. I just like it when people can have fun when they're working, when they feel like, you know, it's not all seriousness. You can just kind of sit and make fun of yourself and make fun of everything about the world because, yeah, there's a lot to make fun of. I love that. I love all three of the things that you talked about. The user guide is especially interesting. I'm a big fan of those types of um, evaluations of your personality and what makes you uh, operate in a certain way versus another way. And it would be so helpful if everybody knew when you walked into a room, wouldn't it? So yeah. one thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, when people mention uh, the name of a well-known brand, it instinctively sparks feelings and associations and perceptions. Can you talk about a few brands that paint a picture of what you're all about and why you chose them? Oh, wow. That's a good one. If I were a brand, um, how would I want people to think about me? I think if I had to choose a brand that really got to a lot of what I think is important, it would be Trader Joe's because one, I love food. I am so passionate about food and I'm also passionate about the idea of adventure. And I feel like Trader Joe's is always an adventure. They always have something new. It's always kind of bizarre. And you're a little bit like, I don't know if that's gonna work, you know, Philly cheese steak, cream puff stuff or whatever they usually have. But I, I enjoy that kind of like, all right, you know, I'm gonna try it because Trader Joe's always kind of guarantees it'll be good. That's the other thing I love about Trader Joe's. It just always seems to know that this, even though it seems unusual, will probably work with your taste buds. So I appreciate the care that they go to, the quality. I've even read articles about them, how they go all over the world, like Thailand and Indonesia, and they figure out what is the most popular snack there? What is the most popular dish? How can we bring it back to America and make it work for American taste buds? And I think that's a, a fabulous idea because it literally makes it so you can travel just by going to your supermarket. So that's one, that's one brand I really love. And I think also they're a little bit irreverent. They have fun. They're making a sense of humor in all their labels and all their advertisements. And everyone there seems to be really nice. Oh, and I will say it helps that my son works there too. So <laughs> it's a little bit of a family thing as well. Um, I think for other brands, just to kind of round it out, um, all right, this is a little bit cheesy, a little bit folksy. In fact, it's very cheesy because uh, the other brand I like is Cabot Cheese. So I don't know if everyone's aware of Cabot Cheese. It's a little bit of a niche brand, but it's a Vermont cheese company. 
And I just think that they do a really good job of giving wholesomeness to everything that they make and like a basically sort of once again, just guarantee that it'll be delicious. Um, so that's the other one. The other, the other brand I think I really like um, besides Cabot is probably Fitbit because I feel like they have a great product and everyone knows what it's going to do for them and everyone gets kind of addicted to their Fitbit if they're given one. I, I was given a Fitbit maybe, I don't know, five, six years ago. And I kind of laughed at it. I'm like, I don't care how many steps I take in a day. And then of course I did care. And I was always staring at it. And I was always trying to figure out like, am I going to do that 10,000 steps? Oh, I have to do 50 more, but am I really going to get up and do 50 more? And then I find out I am going to get up and do 50 more just to get that 10,000. So it's fascinating seeing a device have that effect on you, be that powerful. So the brand itself, I think really, does a good job in just sort of emphasizing that, yeah, like when you when you have that kind of understanding about yourself, you can get the job done. So I, I like that about them. Um, and then lastly, if there's another brand, this is this is also going to really betray a lot about me, is the New Yorker, because <laughs> it's just the kind of stuff I like to read, and I'm always running around telling everyone like, oh, I just read something in New Yorker that was this crazy thing that like no one ever knew about. And what do you think of that? And it starts so many conversations. So I just find the New Yorker a good brand because you know, once again, whenever you open it up, there'll be something interesting and it'll always be a little bit like off the beaten path, but still something that everyone cares about. And I think that's a really interesting brand off the beaten path, but also stuff that people care about. Like, how does one do that? I think the New Yorker has figured that out, at least in terms of writing. Wow. That is an awesome set of brands. I, I love the picture that it paints. Thank you for that. Sure. I want to turn to Noom. Um, Noom's website says that it uses the latest in proven behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. What does this mean? And how does Noom uh, differentiate itself from others in the space? Yeah, so Noom is really powerful in the way that it goes about it. It makes sure that people understand this is not just a typical diet. This is about learning new habits. This is about learning a whole new way to think about your health. And it starts with psychology. And I think this is really interesting because normally when people think of a diet, they think, okay, you know, we'll be given a meal plan. I'll be given, you know, a set of foods I should eat or I shouldn't eat and maybe some exercise I should do. And then you just follow these rules and something will happen, you know, you probably lose some weight. But the problem is, as soon as you stop that diet, you haven't learned anything. You kind of go back to your habits, you gain all the weight back, and then you're frustrated. So what Noom tries to do to be sustainable is they try to teach you what are you doing about your life that you can change forever. I mean, you know, not in a bad way forever, but just in a way of like, all right, I've looked at, you know, how I live and I can make these small changes so I can help maintain my weight. And then, you know, can also just be ensured that it's not just, oh, I'm going to like, you know, stop eating a certain food forever. It's more like understanding why you're doing something, which I think is also very important. So the psychology part of it is based on what's called cognitive behavior therapy. Have you ever heard of this term? I have. Okay. All right. Well, maybe not all of your listeners have 
heard of this, so I will give a quick rundown. Um, cognitive behavior therapy is about understanding thought distortions you might have about reality. And everyone has thought distortions. Everyone has ideas about the world that are actually probably not real, like they're something that you've built up in your mind. And it's important to be able to recognize them. So for instance, I'm going to give you an example of a thought distortion. One is called black and white thinking. And it's the idea that, you know, everything in the world is either good or bad, or you know, black or white, and there's no grays in between. And if you think that way, then you're basically going to make it so that, for instance, if you're dieting, there's good food and there's bad food. And every time you have a bad food, for instance, you'll think, oh no, you know, I've done something wrong. This is terrible. You know, I'm falling off my diet. I'm doomed to fail. When in fact, what's really actually happening is that you haven't really done anything that bad. That food is not bad. It's just simply food. And you have to kind of let go of these ideas of like, this thing happens, it's bad. If this thing happens, it's good. It's more like you have to look at the whole of it and sort of understand sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad, sometimes it doesn't mean anything at all. So that's one thought distortion that Noom tries to give you and kind of give you the tools to sort of plan out the way you're going to eat, but not feel guilty about it, but also be aware of how you're eating. That's so interesting. When I introduced you, I shared that you're a neuroscientist and you've just proven that fact um, <laughs> and that you're senior director of academic research. Um, can you share a bit about you, a bit more about your specific role and the kinds of research studies that you conduct? Yeah, sure. So I am basically working on all sorts of different studies that help Noom understand the way it's working and also make it more innovative. So Noom is really science-driven. It's all about trying to understand, you know, once again, how does behavior work in people? Like what are the barriers they put between themselves and goals they want to achieve? And how do we take down those barriers for them? And the way that we usually try to do it is understanding more about yourself, like understanding, you know, what is it that you really want, what motivates you, and then trying to make that, you know, a reality so you can actually accomplish things. And so, for instance, in our research team, we all kind of have different expertises that help us understand different parts of behavior. So we have a nutritionist on our team. We have a clinical psychologist on our team. We have what's called a communications psychologist. So kind of understanding you know, how the best way to communicate, for instance. We have a statistician, because obviously we need to be able to crunch numbers and understand you know, the studies we're doing. And we also have what I would call a, um, an actual CBT psychologist, so a cognitive behavior therapy psychologist who understands cognitive behavior therapy in the fact that she's actually treated clients and she knows, you know, how does this work in a client? How can we apply this to Noom? So all these different people on my team all think up different kinds of studies and these different kinds of studies will then inform Noom, for instance, like what's the best way to get someone excited about logging their food? Because no one really wants to log their food. It's not a fun thing to do during weight loss, but it's so important. People really have to be aware of how they're eating, be self-conscious of like, this is you know what I've been doing throughout the day. These are the calories I've been consuming. And once you're aware, you can actually then start to plan out a different way of eating. So it is important to log foods, but we have to make it fun. 
And that is, I think, what is interesting about Noom is Noom tries to make everything fun because we know that the only way that people will have behavior change is if they want to do it. So does the work primarily impact product development or service offering or, or marketing or some oh, combination yeah, yeah. of everything? Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that it works is different kinds of approaches. So for instance, uh, we have a brain change study that we just completed and we're about to publish. And this brain change study was all about showing that people who have done Noom for four months actually think better than they had you know, four months ago. And the way that they think better is that they're actually able to focus their attention more and not focus on distractions as much. So that brain change study was really about showing how Noom works, how it has a sustainable effect on you in terms of like teaching you how to detect your errors and not just in food, but probably in lots of other things you're doing in your life. But then we also do studies that I think are really about innovating Noom. And so for instance, one study that we're working on that innovates for Noom is looking at how people talk to their coaches while they're losing weight, the kinds of messages that they're giving people, like in terms of what they think their weight loss journey is like. And this is where it's really interesting to be able to understand the language they use around their weight loss to predict how well they're gonna lose weight. So for instance, if people use a lot of future words, like talking about you know, next month or you know, in time, they'll do better in terms of their weight loss than someone who uses lots of present words, like you know, now or this moment, that type of thing. And we think the reason why is because people who focus on the future can kind of visualize the future more. They wanna make it happen more. And people who get kind of stuck too much in their current kind of state, they have trouble sort of picturing how they're gonna get to this next level of, for instance, weight loss or behavior change or like new habit formation. So we can actually predict in the first 10 messages that people send their coach, if they're gonna lose weight. And so then we can actually tell people in the product team, you know, people who have that kind of language Maybe you can kind of give them an extra push. You can kind of get them to prime themselves by talking more about the future, get their coach to talk to more about the future, and they do better. Uh, So that's one thing I think we're doing that I think is totally new. Like no one has ever tried to do that before, analyze language to figure out how you can lose weight better. So we think that's really, really important. And we we actually kind of think this is going to be like a whole new field for weight loss, understanding this. It's, it's unbelievable because what you're talking about is using cognitive insight to understand what makes people tick, not only to inform product development, but to inform marketing or neuromarketing to have uh, more predictable outcomes in favor of your customers and of the performance of your brand. So it's, it's completely integrated, which, which is pretty fascinating. Am I getting that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is really exciting. I think it's really amazing how you can understand so much from even just the different kinds of grammar people are using or, you know, their tone or, you know, even the types of like articles they're using, like if they're using the terms it and the a lot rather than personal pronouns like me, my, and I, people who use lots of personal pronouns usually tend to get kind of stuck in their own head and they have a harder time trying to visualize what you're talking about, like visualize, you know, a new thing 
And if they can kind of do a little bit of distancing from themselves, then they actually can kind of take on, you know, a new problem or a new idea a lot better. So we think that kind of neuromarketing sort of understanding and just understanding about, once again, the human brain is going to be really impactful. What kind of studies are these? Are these uh, like fMRI studies? Are they ethnographic? Are they non-conscious quant? Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, sure. So the brain change study is an EEG study. Okay. And we like EEG because it's relatively easy to do. It's very non-invasive. It doesn't make people feel very nervous. You kind of have them sit in a chair, you put on this cap, you know, it's very comfortable. And then you record their brain activity, obviously mostly just their frontal cortex. But, you know, I think the feeling is, is that most of the higher level sort of thinking, you know, the kind of thinking that we think um, is important for brand and understanding how people are motivated are all in the frontal cortex. So EEG is very good at capturing what I think also are very minute changes according to something that they're seeing on a screen, according to a decision they have to make. And we think that's really exciting because being able to see those small changes, the instant they see you know, a conflict like that Stroop test, they have to kind of go, what do I do? There's like two different types of information I'm getting, which one do I choose? And you can actually see through EEG the exact moment that they realize, for instance, oh, they made an error. There's actually like a big kind of spike that, that the brain activity shows that they're like, oh no, I made an error. And Noom is kind of cool because when you look at people's EEG, when people have done Noom, they actually have a better error spike. Like they have learned better when they make an error. So they make less errors later on. And so it's a wonderful predictive tool. So you can kind of see right away how people are learning. And you can also even see, for instance, what areas of the brain are important. So for instance, we're learning that, you know, through the EEG measurements we made that we can kind of see, oh, you know, the impulsivity that people might have about their decisions is actually in the medial frontal cortex. So we can kind of look at that and sort of go, all right, that's what we should center on more if we want to see how people make impulsive choice. So that's kind of cool, right? That you can kind of see literally before people even know it themselves in their brains, you know, where their impulsive choice came from and how it will actually, you know, either be a good choice or an error because suddenly their brain is spiking and freaking out. So neurologically, what does it take to instill the long-lasting behavior change that Noom is all about? Yeah, good question. Gosh, you know, behavior change is fascinating because it really is all about people adapting different types of habits to their own sort of personality. And what we think is great about Noom is people learn more about themselves when they do Noom. And this is actually something people have said a lot to us is that you know, when I joined Noom, I actually learned much more about why I do things and what I like and what works for me. So I think behavior change and long lasting behavior change is about seeing, you know, am I someone who really wants to get up in the middle of, you know, the day and do exercise at the gym? Or am I someone who wants to do it in the evening? Or am I someone who wants to do it, you know, first thing in the morning? And for instance, if you're someone who doesn't like exercise, we actually give you this sort of recommendation to do what's called temptation bundling. Have you ever heard of this? I have not. Okay, so temptation bundling is basically taking something that you're probably not excited to do, like some people are not excited to do exercise, 
and bundling was something that you really love to do. So, so for instance, if you really love, for instance, like a podcast or some like book, like audiobook, you can try to say, I will only listen to that podcast or that audiobook when I exercise. And so you kind of end up looking forward to exercise because it's also a treat. It's also going to be part of this temptation that, you know, you can actually start to make it so that it's something you look forward to every day. And next thing you know, it's a habit that you just want to do, you know, as a matter of course. So, so that's one kind of way you could do a sustainable habit. Another kind of way you can have a sustainable habit is have people be more aware of when they're making those, those choices they don't want to make. And so, for instance, once again, I'm going to get back to food because this is a lot of the things that people think about when they're trying to lose weight. Um, it's very tempting, of course, when you're tired and you don't want to like cook, you're just going to go grab like a frozen pizza or something like that, right? And this is where Noom kind of has this way of putting you into this sort of future mode. Once again, it's really important to talk about the future. So before you get to the point of like, I'm too tired, I'm just going to grab a pizza, you'll have already had like a whole week of planning like meals and shopping trips. So you'll have a ton of healthy food that is also just as easy to cook. So that kind of like planning in advance and also sort of knowing that you have like an SOS plan for when you want to eat the pepperoni pizza, but you kind of know, well, you know, maybe that's not the best choice right now. I could probably have like a salad beforehand and then maybe have one slice of pizza. So I think those kinds of behavior change, like it's really about knowing the tricks that work for you and then being able to bundle them in in a way that, you know, you can sustainably do them again and again by planning it out. It's lots of planning, but after a while, I think the planning becomes like almost, yeah, habit. So what are some of the Noom onboarding activities that allow you to create this personalized plan for individuals when you're dealing with, I'm sure, thousands upon thousands of customers at a time? Yeah, the onboarding for Noom is kind of phenomenal, actually. Um, it's, it's very long. I mean, it can be up to 20 minutes, which, you know, is not like the end of the world, but I think it's usually sometimes people are a little bit surprised it's this many questions. We think it's good to have all these questions because these questions make people really think about why are they doing this? You know, why are they doing Noom? So we ask a lot of questions, for instance, about motivation, because it's good to know, you know what people's motivation levels are when they start to you know, try out Noom. Another question we ask is, you know, do you want to follow a specific kind of diet? So Noom has, you know, ketogenic diet that you can do. You can do like alternate day fasting. You can do like a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet. So we can also adjust to those kinds of things as long as we know that in advance. And then I think the other thing that's really important about, you know, the way that Noom works is like, what really is your goal? And this is so important because a lot of people will join Noom saying, I want to lose weight, but we have this one part of Noom, which is your big picture. And it's basically saying like, all right, your goal is to lose weight, you know, maybe 50 pounds, but why do you want to lose weight? You kind of peel the onion, you try to figure out what else is behind this weight loss that you want to achieve. So for instance, maybe you want to lose weight because you want to have more energy and maybe you want to have more energy because you want to do more fun things with your family. And those kinds of incentives, those motivations that are emotional are so much more exciting for people than just saying, I want to lose weight. You know, it's about that picture of like, 
having fun with your family, being able to run around with your kids that really motivates people and makes them feel like, you know, that is something to shoot for. That is where I really want to like dream that that's going to happen and I will make it happen. So what are some of the biggest misconceptions or challenges that other typical weight loss programs have versus what Noom offers and and why are they bound to be less successful? Oh, wow. So I get to slam other programs. I mean, I don't have to name names, (laughs) but yeah, I think that they're less successful when a weight loss program is really just a set of rules and Yeah, as I just mentioned earlier, if you have a set of rules that are really black and white, like if you follow these rules, you're good. If you don't follow these rules, like you failed and you're bad, that just makes people really discouraged, you know, and they feel like, oh, I messed up this one time on this diet, this weight loss program. I just can't do this. You know, I'm going to give up. And that's not the way that Noom works at all. There's never like a black and white. It's always about you know, you made maybe something that you didn't want to do happen, but there's always another day. There's always learning from it. And I think this goes across to something that's really important about Noom compared to competitors is mindset. I don't know if you talk a lot about mindset in, you know, the kinds of things that you're working on, but mindset is really important for Noom because that's basically your self-perception of whatever you're doing that colors how actually you're going to do in it. And so I think when people do a regular weight loss program, like, you know, I'm not going to name names, but just ones that are really focused on, as I said, you know, only eat this one food or don't eat anything with sugar. Then as soon as you eat the thing with sugar, you're going to feel terrible. And your mindset is, you know, I can't do stuff. Like I fall apart when I have even just a simple rule. And if you kind of don't have a mindset that are really about, you know, this is, this is the only way to do something. If you have like what's called a growth mindset, I don't know if you've ever heard this term, but yes, I believe in the growth mindset quite a bit. Oh, all right. Good, good. Um, That's exactly what we encourage at Noom is, is a growth mindset to sort of say, you know, you will have to learn from mistakes. Like that is part of what Noom does, but as soon as you learn from mistakes, then you are stronger. So that's really what I think we're trying to do. And I think these other weight loss programs are not doing that as well. So broadening this out to brands in general, uh, this power that emotion and instinctive emotional responses has on us is really important to know about. So why do you think that some brands out there are still neglecting the power of emotion and emotional insights in their approach to growing their business? The, The way that we think about, yeah, like what, other kinds of brands are doing around emotion is that they make this desire, this need to have something, but they don't give you the tools and how to get it. And I think that's what's really interesting about a lot of other brands is that, you know, obviously there's an emotion about like, there's this this wonderful thing out there and I want it, but it's really about the brands that make you feel like there's something out there and I want it, but also I'm going to teach you how to get it that is so much more rewarding and so much more emotionally fulfilling. So I I think that's kind of what's special about Noob. So thinking about this idea of limbic sparks, these, these moments when emotional motivation meet brand desire, what do you believe are the best ways for brands to create limbic sparks? You know, what's so interesting is this reminds me of a, a cool kind of, um, 
marketing study. I don't know how to call it really, but basically an exploration into brand that I did in a previous company, actually the company that makes Magnum ice cream bars. They're amazing. They're like so chocolatey and incredible. And some people just really love them. When you get people to talk about them, they just go crazy about how much they love Magnum bars. And we did this kind of study where we actually showed that people get more reward through an MRI kind of imaging when they have a Magnum bar, you know, more dopamine kind of flowing through them and more activation in their reward centers when they have that Magnum bar compared to when their loved one gives them a kiss or like holds their hand or when they think about their loved one. And so what wow. I think is interesting about <laughs> that kind of, that kind of uh, limbic spark is that when people hear about that kind of stuff, it resonates. It's sort of like that is actually exactly true. You know, like the pure pleasure, the sort of feeling I get when I have a Magnum bar, that is like so much more sort of simple and like attainable. And I think this is what people get really, yeah, kind of much more fixated on is that sort of understanding of like, this is, this is how I achieve like this one thing that I really want in this kind of way. Um, compared to like everything else there is in the world. So I think that was a really interesting limbic spark moment. That's what I think is really interesting actually about, you know, the limbic spark moment is that I think people go through a lot of their day not realizing the choices they're making. And I think when people are confronted by a choice or they kind of see in front of them a choice and it becomes really clear why one choice is better, then that's really exciting for them. I think it just opens up a whole new world. So as someone who's worked with a number of different brands um, and is a brand leader, what is it that you know now that you wish you knew years ago that perhaps others could learn from? Oh, wow. Um, well, speaking as a scientist, I will say that when I first started my journey in what I call like food innovation, because a lot of the stuff I worked on um, for like the first 15 years of my life um, as a scientist were really about showing that a certain food or a certain nutrient was good for the brain, I thought would be enough for people to see that kind of evidence and then know, oh, wow, you know, I have now learned that turmeric is really good for the brain. I'm going to go out and eat a bunch of turmeric. Like I really thought as soon as someone had that knowledge that that is all they needed. It took a while to understand that there's so much more you have to do than just tell them that something's good for them. And this is what I appreciate from my time at Noom because they're really all about showing that it's not about you know giving people information, it's about giving them the tools to take that information. So fine to know that turmeric is gonna protect your brain against aging. It's another thing to have Noom then show you, this is how you can make turmeric, a delicious and easy part of your life that you know you will reap the benefits from for years. So I think it's really about knowing that the end result that you want from a brand is having a lot of uh, having a lot of know-how about how to make this sticky without kind of getting them bogged down by like, oh, there's data and I don't know how to do anything with that data. I love that. This has been such an incredible and fascinating conversation. Siobhan, I'm so thrilled that you joined me today on Let's Talk Limbic Sparks. 
Oh, I'm so excited to have talked to you as well. And I love actually going on about um, everything that I've learned at NIMH so far. So if you want to ask me more at some other future moment, I would love to do that. Thank you so much. For more, go to limbicsparks.com.